Hello and welcome to the Franchise Growth Pod, a podcast created by the team here at AC Inc. and your resource for all things mindset, franchisee performance, profitability, leadership, marketing, pretty much everything you need to know to get to your next stage of growth. We like to think of this podcast as friends chatting franchising on a rooftop patio over a glass of wine or maybe a whiskey. So if you love action steps, genuine conversations, and growing your business, settle in and let's talk franchise growth. Hello, and welcome back to the Franchise Growth Pod. My name is Belle, Director of Marketing at AC Inc., and I am here with, for the very first time on FGP, Robert Bruski, everybody. Yo, what's shaking, Bell? Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to have you on here, Robert. I cannot believe this is the first time we're having a chat on the Franchise Growth Pod. I know, it's pretty, inc- I'm excited. I've, I've, I've been sitting there waiting. I'm like, is she going to ask me? <laughs> like, It's like a high school dance. Should I go ask her? Is she going to ask me? What do I do? Maybe I'll just sit here, you know? I'll go hang out by the punch bowl. <laughs> That's hilarious. Well... Um, for anyone who doesn't know who's listening, actually, Robert does a weekly podcast with Angela and Rob Rance. And if you haven't listened to that one, you guys have been doing that one for years. And it's every single week. They come out on Wednesday. They're a podcast and a YouTube series. Um, so Robert is a, a very, a very um, solid podcaster already. And has uh, so if you haven't checked it out, Angela and Rob Rance across all the streaming platforms. Um, but I had to just get him on, get him on the franchise growth pod for all of you. Uh, we have a very exciting uh, episode for today. I'm excited. This is this is my subject. Like I'm a major, major nerd on this subject. So, you know, let's get rocking and rolling. I want to just say, even though Robert okay. is an expert on this subject, it's not socks for anyone who is thinking it's not sock marketing for anyone who is like, ooh, what is Robert really good at? Sock marketing. It, unfortunately, we that'll be a separate episode. We'll have to do a <laughs> separate podcast all about that. Um, actually, I did want to ask you, how did you feel about being such a sock marketing influencer in the franchise space a couple months a ago? A sock star, you mean? A sock star, yeah. Of all the success you've been having. <laughs> you know, I mean, it feels really, really good. I'd like to thank the Academy and all the people that supported me along the way. <laughs> um, but honestly, you know what? I was sitting on a round table and everyone was talking about influencer marketing. And when you think influencer marketing, you're thinking like, how do I get Ryan Reynolds or Tom Cruise, like big people, right? And I'm like, let's go micro influencers, people who might have 1000 or 5000 followers. And then I started looking at the market and my endeavor to procure more franchisees, franchise owners for control V, I looked at the influencers that could impact that and just let her rip. That's amazing. Okay. So to provide, I just realized that I just assume every single person in franchising and business knows who Robert Bruski is. I do have to say <laughs> Robert Bruski is the franchisor at Control V, a virtual reality arcade, um, originally based in Canada, but spreading out to the US as well. And such a fun concept, like such an incredibly cool concept, very much entertainment, families. Um, but you know, there's corporate events you guys do there. It's a really, really cool um concept and he's also um chief hype officer uh over here at AC Inc. So him and I work on some projects together, including things like um influencer marketing things and events and all of that. So um I just assume everyone knows who you are, but I thought I would give you the intro you deserve. <laughs> well thank you. I appreciate that Bell. <laughs> he's a multifaceted um yeah he's very much you also have like all these other businesses you tackle. You're a musician, um you I feel like you always have something new you're telling me about. You're like into martial arts. I just feel like you have a million hobbies and 
and activities and businesses. And it's hard to keep up, but that is the basic 401. <laughs> Got to keep myself entertained. <laughs> it's, true. it's true. No, there is never a dull moment in Robert Bruski's world. That's for sure. Um, so I guess we should say if it's not about sock marketing, which um, if again, anyone missed it, Robert was such a big <laughs> sock influencer um, a, a couple must have been a couple months ago now, um, but you sent out all these control V socks and had everyone on LinkedIn posting about them. It was absolutely incredible. Um, and socks have been around for a long time. Like we have, you know, go be awesome socks and FBR has these really fun franchise rockstar socks. Like socks have been around for such a long time, but all of a sudden, as soon as Robert sent them out and was like, everyone posts on LinkedIn and it just blew up. And now everyone is all about the sock influencer marketing, which I think is such, such a fun idea. Um, and yeah, so I just, I've, I've been into socks for a long time for a long, yeah. in fact, right now I'm wearing Jimi Hendrix socks. I, 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 I'm part of a sock subscription club and I get new socks every day, every month. I've been doing what? this for like five or th more than, but probably about 10 years. That's insane. Okay. This is a question. Everyone's asking, everyone's asking, we need to get the answer. What is your favorite pair of socks that maybe from your subscription, what have you gotten from your subscription? That's your favorite. Um, it might actually be the Jimi Hendrix socks that I'm wearing right now. Like I, I blow through socks a lot. Like I wear socks all the time. I love my feet covered. So there's, there's like a regular sort of churn here and my favorite may no longer be my favorite in a couple months. Got it. Got it. So it's ever changing, but the Hendrix socks are winning at the moment. I love that. Um, right. Perfect. Well, I am actually wearing my control V socks right now. Um, which what? is so funny. Yeah. I, uh, little, ooh. Uh, there we go. There we go. <laughs> that was harder than so for anyone who's listening and not watching on YouTube. I did just hold my foot up and kind of had to like lean over my chair. That was a lot harder than I was thinking it was going to be. But uh, but I am wearing them right now. I was like, my feet were so cold earlier. So I popped them on. Anyways, we're not actually talking about socks today, folks. We are talking about shareholder value. Total 180, not about socks or influencer marketing at all. We're actually talking about shareholder value and how it benefits your franchisees to be talking about it, educating them on it, um, and having them improve their own. So I want to start off the conversation, though, Robert, with an explanation of what shareholder value actually is. Okay, well, I mean... I spent a lot of time thinking about shareholder value specifically. I mean, I used to do this a lot in my past life. You know, I was in, on the in buy side investment management, working at hedge funds and trying to value companies, et cetera. But also as a CEO of the company, there's three jobs that you have to do. One is maintain your culture two, think about the future of your company and three increase shareholder value and shareholder wealth across the system. And sometimes you think about, okay, how do I make my franchise like as a home office more valuable? Right. But because your business is franchising, your home office derives its value from its individual franchisees. Okay. So you have to be focusing on increasing their value, because if you ever wanted to exit your system, the buyer is going to do their due diligence. They're not just going to see how much cash you have in your bank account. They're going to see the sources of their, the, that cash, how stable it is, how recurring it is. Right. So when it comes to shareholder value, there's a lot of things that go into it. You know, some people will think it's the cash that's sitting in your account, or maybe it's your recurring revenue, or maybe it's your profit margin, or maybe they factor in things that are a little bit more subjective, you know, like the value of your customer base or any goodwill or intellectual property, like your 
your brand or agreements that you have with specific government organizations. So these all kind of factor into shareholder value. But ultimately, you have to distill this down to a number somehow, right? Yeah. Because that's what people are going to pay for. And, you know, when I when I do valuations and analysis on companies, for the most part, about 80 to 90% of my analysis is on the softer things, their management, their governance, their, the, mm. their business model, their, the cost. It's only about 10 to 20% that's the actual numbers. But those numbers are important because that's ultimately what somebody's going to pay for the company. So it's important to increase those numbers. And there's multiple ways to do that, which I'm sure we're going to get into here. So yeah. does that answer your question? Maybe? It totally <laughs> does. It totally does. And you and I had a, a brief chat, obviously, before we hopped on here. Um, but I think that really clarifies to you when we're talking about it, it's not based on like one number. And I think that can be definitely something that people can head into conversations like this or thinking about that value piece and think, well, it's based on this specific number or it's based on this bit, but it's actually a valuation of so much of the business. And um, you said something actually before we hopped on um, to actually podcast, which I thought was really valuable, which is, um, you know, to look at the revenue coming in is awesome. Like that's a great number. But if there's a ton of debt or, you know, the higher the expenses go, the actually the smaller that margin becomes and those kinds of things, I think it's just it, it involves so much more than just like one specific revenue number, which I think is what maybe lots of people think of when they think of that. But it's really this whole view of the business and how successful and profitable that business can be. And actually, you've already kind of segued into that next piece, which is how does this even apply to franchises specifically and, and also specifically to franchisees? So maybe just okay. go into a little bit more about as a franchisee, like why does shareholder value kind of matter to me or why would I care about those kinds of things as a franchise owner specifically? Sure. Well, I think that, you know, to start with your second question there, it's really valuable to everyone, but to a yeah. franchisee specifically, because at some point you have a succession plan, you're going to do something with your business, whether you're going to sell it or, you know, let it lapse or, um, you know, whatever, gift it to somebody, et cetera. It has to have a value and people are always going to ask, what's the value, how much it's worth? You know, even if you're gifting it to somebody, they're still going to want to know the value because they need to declare it on their tax returns, you know? Yeah, yeah. So you've, you've got to figure out a way to, to find this value. Now, there's so many different ways to value a company and it changes from industry to industry. For example, in the tech industry, usually what they do is they take your top line revenue number and apply a multiple to it, probably something stupid like 30 times or 50 times or whatever, because the nature of the tech industry is they know it's a long time for you to build out your own Facebook and eventually this is going to be repaid in spades. So okay. they provide you that value ahead of time. There is comparing uh there's like relative uh ratios so you can take ratios like debt to equity or you know enterprise value or whatever and you can compare it to other companies similar in the industry okay. my favorite way to do that value is to do something called a discounted cash flow right so without getting too technical it basically figures out how much cash you're putting in your pocket okay, okay. um now this you know Oftentimes a business owner will say, okay, I've got my revenue minus my expenses, and this is how much cash is going into my pocket. But that's incorrect mm -hmm. um, because that just tells you your, your success of the operation itself. You have a company, a corporation, and there could be multiple operations within it. There could be a fitness concept, a food concept, et cetera. Now, I don't advise that. I think they should be different, right? But when you take a loan to start your business, that loan is given to the company, not the business. So although you might have revenue and subtract expenses and have 
what's called an EBITDA margin, earnings before interest, taxes, depreciation, and amortization. I used to call it EBITDA, but anyways. <laughs> oh, yeah, uh, I love that. <laughs> That's funny. That's how I would read it. And everyone, everyone on Wall Street would be like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> Anyways. Um, so um, but now you have to take that money and you have to pay your debts that you took on any loans. You have to pay, you know, taxes. You have to, um, you know, whether you pay yourself a dividend or anything along those lines. And you could ultimately bleed out your cash to zero or negative. Right. Mm -hmm. And so uh, you've, you've got to think about that specific sort of um, cash flow. And so oftentimes a franchisor will say, okay, I've got that. I've got my revenue, my expenses, I pay off my debt, all that sort of stuff. I take, I got like a hundred grand a year that I'm pocketing or a million or whatever it is. Right. Yeah. And then they'll go to a buyer and they'll say, well, I, this, you know, like you're going to be making a hundred grand a year into perpetuity. Right. And that's my shareholder value. Right. Well, how do you, how do you figure that out? And you know, the appropriate way to do this is to think about realistically how long your business will last, you know, is your franchise agreement five years or is it 10 years? Is there some sort of cap on to how long the industry will last? And it, let's say it's five years. You'd be like, okay, so my shareholder value is a hundred thousand times five years. Well, not really. Because that those other hundred thousands have a value in those current years. But yeah. what's the value today? So mm -hmm. you have to apply a discount rate, otherwise known as a cap rate, um, without getting again too technical. And it, it builds into this valuation implicit risk. Like what is the risk that your business will fail, that the industry will tank? And yeah. it discounts that. So the future value of your hundred thousand is actually worth less today. And then there's also a terminal value, but I won't even get into that. So as a franchisee, you can't only be thinking about how much bottom line or cash flow you're taking home today, you also have to think about what's going to be in the future because that all factors into your shareholder value. And sometimes, oh, yep, go ahead. Question. I, I have a question. I raised my hand. Okay. <laughs> I have a question. I think this is super valuable for people to hear. And um, it, so much of this is speaking directly to, again, as a franchisee. So if I've invested into a franchise and I want to grow my business and I want to, again, I want to have a plan for, you don't want to just own the business literally until you drop dead. And even if that happens, you still, some, the business has to go somewhere. Like there always has to be, as you said, it. it's just natural. There has to be a succession plan. So knowing this number is going to help me in in that way. So decide, you know, how I want to exit. Here's what I want to do. Here's who I could sell it to. Here's what that could look like for my life or for my goals. Right. So it factors into so much about me as a business owner. And I think maybe a franchisee doesn't even always clue in that like the franchisor probably is thinking about that, but me, I'm, I'm my own business owner as well. And I need to be thinking about that for what I am planning in terms of my life and my business. Um, so I love all the the math and stuff you were just mentioning. Like I, I stayed with you actually, I did. Awesome. <laughs> cool. Um, but I'm curious the, um, valuation. So this is something I actually wanted to mention. So anyone who's thinking of like a company valuation, this is the exact same thing as assessing your shareholder value. So that's just a quick note that those two things are actually the same thing. So when someone's looking to sell their franchise um, and they're looking for a valuation, they're trying to assess what that shareholder value is, right? Like for that specific business. So those two things are the same. Am I correct in that? Yeah. Yeah. You're, I mean, for, for the purposes of like this conversation, yeah, it's, yeah, I mean, if you were to open up, you know, you know, chartered financial analyst textbooks and all that sort of stuff, you'll see that there is some slight differences for, okay. but for the purpose of this, that, yeah. 
but for the way we're thinking about it in terms of like how it matters to your owners and stuff, those kinds of things are very much like thought of as in the same breath, right? Yes, yes. And actually, you know, you you made me think of something here is because I've been talking all about numbers here, you know, and finding your shareholder value through discounted cash flow analysis and all that sort of stuff. But oftentimes a business owner will say, there's other shareholder, there's other value to me as a shareholder of this business that isn't numbers. Mm -hmm. So an example of this could be like, hey, my business is in this city where there are no competitors mm -hmm. and that's valuable right? So the question is, how do you build that value into a sale price, which is very, very difficult. And I think a lot of sellers, whether it's franchisees or franchisors trying to exit their company, they almost get a little delusional on how valuable this is, right? So if I said, hey, Bell, I'm trying to sell you my Control V arcade in Toledo, for example, okay? And I tell you, there's no competitors there. So this is worth $10 million. And then you go, okay, well, if it's worth $10 million, why haven't you taken advantage of the fact that there isn't any competitors there? Mm -hmm. So naturally, I would have some sort of excuse. And then my response in most cases would be like, but you can take advantage of it. Now, a prudent investor will be like, ah, okay, if I'm taking advantage of this massive client base that has no competitors, I'm doing that. It's my labor, my work, my investment that's going to extract revenue from them. And so there's no reason why I should be paying you for the work that I'm going to do, right? So similar to that, let's say you are exploiting all of those customers, exploiting, quote unquote, right? And they are coming in and paying, right? And they're purchasing your service. Um, then the seller will be like, look it, I have the entire market cornered. All the customers are coming in. Well, then you got to say, okay, but look at how much expenses you have to put out in order to service those customers. You mm -hmm. have to jack up your labor beyond a like reasonable level to the point where your bottom line means nothing. So although you may have this intangible thing, if the economics of your business um, don't leverage it to a, a good standpoint, then you've, you've eroded or depleted away your shareholder value. And so that's, I mean, with this is a subject for a whole other podcast, but this sort of digresses into the concept of building durable economic moats for your business. Mm. So I'm definitely hearing like from our conversation so far, and I do actually want to spend um, the next little while here talking about the improving of that value. So how can franchisees improve that value? And then how as franchisors, of course, we want our franchisees to be improving that value of their own businesses. So I want to get into some tangible action steps for that. Um, but I had one other question. Oh, I know what it was. Um, we've been talking a lot about like, there's lots of different ways you can assess this value, like lots of different ways you can do it. Some ways, you know, don't factor in all the things we've been talking about. So you want to be looking at it this way, but when someone is looking at how to do this, are there tools that they can go to? Are there people that like, I know that we have, um, I know that we have definitely like worked with a couple suppliers who have helped with valuations and those kinds of things, but are there, is that the best way to do it really is to have, go to someone who specializes in figuring out shareholder value. Is it something you can do if you learn how to do it? Like that all sounds like a lot well over my head, but uh, are there tools that people can leverage for how to do that? And then we'll get into the action steps for the improving. Yeah, I mean, there are there are software systems out there and I've seen them, you know, there's one actually based out of Canada that does that. Mm -hmm. um, but they, they do it to a limited standpoint because it's got to be ubiquitous against all systems, right? So, you know, put in these particular numbers and we'll give you a good round number. Yeah. If you want to get into something in depth, 
usually you're looking for somebody called a CBV, which is a certified business valuator. And they will do this, this process. Now, if you're, if you're lucky enough to know somebody who has uh, the CFA designation, the chartered financial analyst designation, which is probably one of the most respected designations out there, even above an MBA in the financial world, they could probably do whip it up in a, you know, in an hour because they've got all the spreadsheets and stuff like that made. Right. Um, if, I mean, if you Google it, there's really quick and dirty ways, you know, pull in these five numbers from your, from your financial statements, add, subtract, divide, bump, and, and you're ready to go. Right. It really depends on how deep you want to get into it. Got it. So there are lots of options. There are ways to get just an idea. There are ways to get a little bit deeper by leveraging more softwares. And then there are professionals who can actually help you with every single piece and work through it all right. um, on a larger scale. Okay. That's, I just wanted to clarify, like, what are some ways people can actually do that just in case people are like, Ooh, this would be really interesting. Um, so we, we've covered a lot so far in this episode. And I want to, again, make sure it's very tangible for people, um, for anyone listening, who's going, okay, <laughs> learning all of this is great. Or maybe you knew some of these pieces already, but how do we actually improve this, right? What are the things that, um, you know, I think someone might go, okay, well, easy, we just increase our revenue. Well, <laughs> you know, depending on how easy that is. But I'm curious from your perspective, because you love this topic and, and talk about it a lot. What are things that people can do, either franchisor or franchisee, to improve that shareholder value of the business? Sure. Well, I mean, without getting into details of intangible things like intellectual property, I mean, maybe we can talk about that, but we'll talk about that later. Um, the first thing I always recommend is do your best to clean up your balance sheet. What mm. that means is get rid of the debt, pay off your debt, you know, pay off all the loans that you've taken, whether it's to start up the business or, you know, COVID support loans or whatever, get that paid off because you might have a very successful business. And then when they look at the balance sheet, they'll be like, oh, but you owe so much debt that yeah. it's going to take me years to pay this off. So that's one thing that you should do. The yeah. second thing is from more of a P&L, profit and loss statement standpoint, sometimes yeah. called a statement of earnings or um, I forget the last name. Um, so this is this is basically your revenue and your expenses. Now, your franchisor should have a guidance on this um, and they should have a well-designed business model to help you do this. But these are two things, right? One is your revenue. One is your expenses. Make sure your expenses are tight. You're not overspending. Or if you are overspending because you have the liberty to do so because you're making so much money marking this stuff down to know that this is just in my scenario. So if I were to compare it, you know, I can normalize these statements and pull that out. So a buyer would know, you know, they're just spending a lot of money on pizza because they got that money, you know, but I may choose to spend it on a new car. Right. Um, so it's, it's monitoring the expenses, keeping them tight, keeping the minimum with, uh, without affecting the business model and the customer service and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. And then of course, the next component to that is driving revenue. Now you've had a number of podcasts. Everyone's always talking about driving revenue, et cetera, but you know, you can drive revenue from the standard standpoint that your franchisor gives you. This is the widget you're selling. This is the price at which you're selling it. But there's opportunities there to have other creative ways. So in the subject of intangibles, right? If you are an organization that typically works with schools, right? And you're going out and you're pitching each individual school, maybe there's an opportunity to go to, you know, the, the head of all 
these schools and strike up an agreement with them and potentially maybe even an exclusive agreement that they have to deal with you. And then you've got now not only another source of revenue, but you've added this intangible value to the value of your company. You know, you can do that. You could lean on your franchisor to see if there's ways not only that they can reduce costs, but that they can reduce costs at a rate that somebody else may not. An example I love to give is the shipping companies, whether it's FedEx or UPS or Purolator or whatever, they already have planes and trucks and buses going to like every corner of the planet, Amazon as well. So for them to ship an additional package, there is a very minimal additional marginal expense. That fuel and everything is already being paid for. So this becomes almost entirely profit-based. So maybe there's a way that the franchisor can adjust your expenses that way. You know, there's, you can build a network effect. That's an, another big economic moat where you've got buyers and sellers in one marketplace that your business takes advantage of. Interesting. So lots of different ways, but one thing that's definitely standing out in all those examples is how powerful it is to know those numbers and to be like analyzing those P&Ls, analyzing your um, profit, like well, profit loss P&L, same thing, but analyzing the those financial documents, um, looking for areas of opportunity. So areas of either, again, trying to make something where, wow, we're, we're going about these sales kind of one at a time. Is there a way for us to go like more directly to the source? For example, I love that school example. And then looking at exclusive deals, looking at how to partner with people strategically. So you're kind of leveraging more with less. Um, but then also the, the um, analyzing your expenses and seeing, are there things we can trim off or are there things we can package together? Again, never compromising on consumer experience and quality and all those things but are there things we can analyze and go oh this other franchisee you know maybe in somewhere else has a very very different expense for this and like is there any way we could leverage that as well sometimes not but sometimes there is so looking at things like benchmarks or um, getting system-wide data like I, I'm hearing a lot of that being a common one in terms of how to make the most out of um, increasing the value of your company like that seems to be a very common theme yeah. And you know what? Distilling it down into something that's micro is way more manageable than looking at the macro. You know, if you look at your your books and you say, wow, I need to make an extra $100,000 this month. Okay, well, let's break that down into how much you need to make per month, break it down to per day, break it down to per customer. And you may only need one more customer a day in order to hit that thing. So now you have a bit of a goal for, um, for you know, the sale or the upsale or whatever it may be. And the same thing goes with your expenses. You know, you can, you can trim them down a little bit here or there to, to increase that financial value. I should say when you add intangibles, there's like, you know, a whole other way of valuing those yeah, and I feel like that almost needs to be a whole other conversation too, that intangibles piece, because I think we've been getting into a lot of lot of good in-depth um, information here, and I want to make sure people don't feel too overwhelmed. <laughs> um, but I, yeah, I really like these. I think the big one being the paying off the debt, which I think is, again, it's pretty much a financial tip overall, right? How do we improve the value? We get rid of what we owe. I think that's such a good one. And then the um, examining your P&Ls and being really, really clear on them. I think that's something franchisees can do um, to, to major uh, moves. Like it would make a major impact to like be really, really good at looking at your P&L and examining it and looking for areas of improvement. Um, and yeah, then I, if I may, I just want to throw one word of caution in here that I see yeah. a lot with franchisees. Mm -hmm. is if their if their business isn't looking great 
sometimes they go down the spiral of trying to save $50 here or there when the actual problem is they need to make $10,000 more. Those small cost savings not only are going to be a drop in the bucket, but they're also digressing their their mindset they're thinking um in a world of you know scarcity they're thinking about you know maybe even affecting the brand when yeah. the big problem is the revenue that is so key and that's something we um we do a lot in terms of even like ac performance groups and field coach infrastructure and doing um those types of franchisee support pieces that's something we see a lot with franchise owners especially when we go through like really hard hard times for small businesses in local communities and even with the support of franchisors and the support of home offices it can be really really tough when you go through something really tricky with the economy and so to keep that mindset really positive and moving forward and thinking thinking on that making more rather than saving a little is so key it is tough sometimes and that's why having someone like a field coach or franchisee support roles who are there to help with that mindset is so big but I totally agree. I think that's really something if we can get um, your franchise owners of whatever business or system you're in to be thinking that way, it opens up so much more opportunity. And that yeah. actually increases the value, right? Saving $150 every month isn't going to be majorly increasing value that way. Um, yeah. And it may even be like hurting your capacity to be making more, right? To be trying yeah. to I, I was talking to somebody and they they increased the the price to their end consumer by a dollar, which ended up being somewhere around a two and a half percent increase, which mm -hmm. is less than the increase in inflation. And that one dollar increase enabled them to pay their rent for two months. Wow. You know what I mean, it's like, yeah. yeah, yeah, it's looking at it in the expansive and the the um, abundant as opposed to that scarcity or that like, how much can we save or how much can we keep like. I, I love that mindset piece. And I think that's very tangible and something that having um, someone supporting your Z's with that type of mindset and with that type of goal setting is going to really, really help. Um, Robert, this has been so fantastic. Is there anything else you want to add? Anything we've missed in this conversation? I know that we're probably going to have lots more chats about um, some of the nitty gritty. And I know some of the intangible pieces that you were mentioning. I think we could definitely have more conversations on that. But is there anything else you want to add before we finish up for today? Yeah, I think just... One word of advice is don't sleep on your financials. Mm. People think it's just something I need to do because my franchisor requirements requires it and because the government requires it to fill out my taxes. But if you're sleeping on them, you don't like watch Shark Tank or Dragon's Den. If you don't know your financials, you're out. They're they're not even getting into it, you know? Like you you need to know this stuff so that you know the health of your business and that so you as the leader of your business can direct it in the right way. Because the same way the CEO of a franchise system is responsible for those three things that I mentioned earlier, that mm -hmm. same way a franchisee is responsible for those three things within their system. Building the culture, thinking about the next innovative move forward, and increasing shareholder value. I love that, Robert. This has been such a great episode. I really think there's so many tangible steps in here and also a lot of education for anyone. Again, if you're, if you want to send this to your franchisees, I think that could be really valuable, but also as franchisors to be just really understanding, like we want every single one of our owners to be thriving and to know their numbers and to feel good about where they're headed and to have a plan for succession. Like that is just such a big part of business and it applies especially to um, the franchise model. So I just want to thank you so much for the call today. I know I took away a lot. I was taking some notes at the end there <laughs> um, and I'm really, really excited. Hopefully we can do another episode um, on more financial topics, maybe some moats. I know you love that. <laughs> I love moats. <laughs> <laughs>
Um, so thank you so much again. And um, for anyone listening who has not joined uh, the AC Roundtable community quite yet, um, this is your sign. You get to come hang out with Robert and I weekly on the AC Roundtables. Um, we have uh, established um, franchisors and emerging franchisors, two different roundtables that run weekly. We are coming, I think we just passed our three-year anniversary when this comes out, which is so exciting. Um, and if you haven't uh, checked us out yet, please do head to angelacote.com slash roundtables um, to uh, come join the fun. Um, thank you so much everyone for listening and go be awesome.